Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Right, quickly, before we get on with the episode, we've got an announcement. The MMA Fan Podcast is now sponsored by Free Train. Blake, what's Free Train? Free Train is a fantastic company that do these amazing vests for when you run, when you train. Whether you're going for a run or hitting the bag, you can keep your phone close to your chest. And uh, yeah, they're brilliant. They've got a little pocket for your keys. You No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket or at an awkward angle on your arm or anything like that. You've got the vest on. Phones there, easy access to it. They do some great uh, gloves as well to keep your hands warm and be able to touch the phone and everything. It's all linked up with your phone. So, yeah, they're a fantastic brand. A couple of pockets for your keys. Everything you need when you go for a run or if you're hitting the bag training. And you're not just saying this for the sake of it. Before they even become our sponsors, you had one of these vests, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've, well, I've still got it. I run with it all the time. But yeah, before they became our sponsors, I had one of these vests. They are genuinely brilliant. I really like them. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased they're our sponsor. And if you want one, if you head over to freetrain.com, when you go shopping and you put all your stuff in your in your basket, just before you check out, if you put in the code MMAFAN, you'll save yourself 10%. Don't say we don't spoil you here on this podcast. 10% off an amazing vest from Free Train. www.freetrain.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison, and joining me, as ever, is the wonderful Stu Whiffin. How you doing, mate? Kind words, kind words. Thank you very much, Blake Harrison. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm excited to be uh, recording this intro because, well, we can be transparent. We've just finished recording the episode. Um, and I think you are about to hear one of the most inspirational stories uh, ever uh, from not just a, an MMA uh, athlete, but a sportsman in general. And it's quite remarkable. Um, I mean, we should also say that this is part of our UFC uh, September the 4th. Uh, string of uh, podcasts but this goes a little bit beyond that as well doesn't it absolutely yes so this is a part of our special episodes that are to do with the september 4th cars as Stu said um and it is the card that was supposed to be in london is now not in london it's in vegas but it still has a plethora of uk mma talent on the card um sadly 
Uh, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon, and um, only yesterday morning did we hear that one of those UK MMA stars is no longer on the card because, well, you, you'll find out why during the episode. But uh, sadly, they're no longer on the card. But what they will do is talk to us briefly about what happened, why they're no longer on that September 4th card. And then, as Stu says, they'll go on to their story. They'll talk about their life uh, growing up, a sporting injury that, that led them towards uh, a, a different path, and then a, a tragic incident that that led them to uh, another path. I think that this is, as Stu said, one of the most inspirational stories that you'll get in MMA, and it is a an amazing listen. Uh, our guest today is Laron Murphy. We're going to stay with that. Just leave it there. I was expecting you to say something. <laughs> <laughs> we could just drop it in like that. I Should wasn't we sure. Like I don't know. Yeah. Should we keep discussing this whilst they're listening? Like, can this be part of the intro? All right. Discussing. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think? Well, do you, do you well, think no, we I'll... should leave it previously, or do you think everything we're saying right now should stay in and then we introduce him in the normal way? Yeah, let's do that. I mean, this is the second tape because you ballsed up the first one. How and normally, dare you? How like, normally, dare you? Normally, like, we do our little bit of spiel until we, in, we say their name. We introduce them. You done that and then looked at me as if I was meant to say something. And I thought, do I say something now? Because you've just introduced the guest. Look, just because you're wearing a shirt that looks exactly like a zebra crossing, please <laughs> do not start giving it large to me. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Stu Whiffin is wearing a shirt that can only be described as a zebra crossing made into a shirt form. It's very Parisian, uh, listeners. Very Parisian. I mean, head over to our YouTube channel and uh, and just yeah, feast your eyes on uh, on this garm. But get out of here. That's poor. Lerone <laughs> <Lerone> Murphy. <laughs> Oh, good, mate. How you doing? Certainly finally got round to doing it. I know. Uh, and look, in the background, obviously, most of this is going to be seen on a podcast, although we are starting a YouTube thing, so I might go up on that if that's all right. But in the background, if you can't see this because it's podcast format, you're watching UFC. <laughs> yeah, just that's, that's, all, that's just what I do throughout the day to kill some time, learn visual learning, innit? just watch a few fights and just chill out. And who have we got on? We've got Khabib and... I've got Khabib Gaethje, yeah. Khabib Gaethje. <laughs> Learning that Dagestani wrestling yeah, style. Yeah, man. The best in the game. That's it. Oh, mate, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for coming oh, on. Thanks loads, mate. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. So, are you happy if we just jump straight in? Yeah, jump in, man. I'm ready to yeah. go. So, I mean... The big news is that if if you've been living under a rock and you haven't seen Laron's Instagram uh, page, you're out of the uh, September 4th card, which originally was London, then moved yeah. to Vegas, and it's nothing to do with you're, you're not injured, you're perfectly healthy, you're ready mm. to go, and it was a visa issue. Can you tell us what, what went down, what happened? Yeah, so basically we're scheduled to fight on August 14th, and that fight got moved back to the 4th September. Um, then, it, so it's supposed to be in London. Then only, I think, t- two weeks back or something, they said they're going to move it to Vegas. So that's that's a short amount of time to get a working visa if you've not already got one. So um, it got to the point where we're still, we're still waiting. We're still in the line for an emergency visa. And obviously, the po- my opponent needs an opponent. So I think they cut, cut, cut it short. Um to give themselves enough time to get an opponent. So, it's one of them. So, in, in regards to, like, visa applications and that, Lerone, like, when, when it's for something like a big organisation like the UFC, is that something, like, you have to do personally? Or is it... Like, I don't know how it works. Um, they, they was... I think they... For, for what I know, they were sorting it out. Um, we just, like... My coach and manager just sorts, sorts all that stuff out, but they they said that the UFC applied for it um, a few weeks back. So we've just literally been training, cutting weight, and just waiting to hear back. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. 
So have you been training this whole time expecting it to all go well? When, when did you actually find out, oh, no, it's not happening? It's crazy how it happened, actually. But um, I woke up in the morning and some some one of the media guys messaged me um, with my opponent's Instagram saying, oh, did you fight off? But that was the first I heard. Oh, um, no. So it was just like, it was one of them. But... Um, the matchmaker did email my coach, but obviously because of the timings and stuff, it did. It, it, my opponent heard first. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So it's just one of them. Oh, mate, well, look, man, I'm sorry for that. that yeah, yeah, what emotions were you feeling? Because you've you've just seen, as you say, like was it a media members got in touch mm. with you? So you, I suppose there's probably confusion, the bit of disbelief. Like, what what are your emotions when you see that? Do you do you think this can't be real? <laughs> exactly that but it was just like it, I just knew I, I knew that I knew the situation I knew the matchmaker would have emailed my coach and he was still sleeping so I didn't get the call because I woke up early it was this this was like 6.30am or something and it's just like I've just done like 14 weeks training for nothing near enough but it's out of my control isn't it I mean with, with that yeah. in mind like how does that like I mean you don't have to answer this but like how does that affect you sort of financially Lerone like 14 weeks of camp and training and like how does that work if a fight you know you can't get to fight because of a visa issue is, is there no payment or like what how does that work yeah it's it's just, it's just like hard luck I think Shit, uh, obviously really? I, I think that's, I think that's just how it goes this is the first time it's happened to me so I'm, I'm not too sure but um as far as I know yeah and obviously the camps cost money in it but it's it's one of them things, man. I've just got to deal with it and I've got to stay ready and hopefully we can sort this um, visa stuff out and I can get a fight next month or something. But I'm just staying positive, still still in the gym. I've come, come back from training before. I'm going to train again tonight, but I'm just staying on, staying on the horse and staying on track. Have you done anything to kind of make yourself feel better? Is there any little things that you're like, oh, I'm going to like a pizza or I'm getting on the ice cream or something? Food, food, that's it for me. Yeah. I, um, so I went to, to Gulliver's World with my little boy and stuff yesterday. Yeah, I was eating like the sugar donuts and stuff there. And then, uh, Good man. I went for food last night as well and I just went for some lunch with my friend as well. Just, so just food, man. But... You just gotta just give give thanks in it, give thanks for life, and just crack on in it. Obviously, everything happens for a reason. I think. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got a great you've got a great mentality with dealing with all this. I think. Mm. Well, I I can assume where that mentality comes from because we're going to learn a little bit more about your story, and I'm sure yeah. you've spoken about all this stuff ad nauseum before. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is a fascinating story. But if you don't mind us starting a little bit further back. You're, you're 16 years old, uh, growing up around Manchester area. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, uh, you, you're a pretty tasty footballer, by all accounts. You, uh, you were having trials at Liverpool. You were training yeah. with Stockport. Yeah. But then you got an injury at 16 that kind of mm. put all of that to bed. Can you tell us what happened and how difficult it was for a 16-year-old boy to have a kind of a dream of becoming a footballer, I guess? Mm. And have that be taken away from them? Yeah, that's all. I, that's all I ever dreamed of as a kid. I used to just go. We used to just go out as schoolboys and just play on the field just all day. Kick footballs. I always wanted to be a footballer. And then, um, I, yeah, torn my knee. I tore my ligaments, cruciate ligaments in my knee. Playing, playing football. I think I can't remember who I was playing for at the time. Um, Stockport maybe. And from there, I was just going into college. As I think. I, one year in college actually so yeah I would have been 16 and so then it's then it's like a crucial time in, in football do you know what I mean so it's just like one of them it's, as soon as as soon as I'd done that I just never thought I'd play, do any kind of sport again because when he used to give out on me and stuff like that um, just like on day to day and I think it I think it must have took me about nine months to even get a, to a year to even get an operation actually something like that we see um like especially in the states as well, we see so many uh, people that, that that move away from American football and move into MMA. We're seeing a lot more of it at the moment, for sure. Um, do you think there is like a a natural athleticism that that, that, that you feel 
a, you know, a, a level of competitiveness and ability that, that, that transcends many sports. Like, did you sort of take a lot of your mindset that you had playing football and things like that into the gym? Yeah, definitely. It's just like the, the commitment and um, the work rate and stuff like that. And I feel like, I feel like fighting is totally different from playing football, but um, there's similar aspects in in it with within the work rate and the training and stuff. And I've always been I've always been one of them people that I want I want to be the best in whatever I do. So as soon as I start doing something, I love doing it. I hammer it, and that's what I've done with MMA. So I've just been I've been playing catch up for the longest, but I'm still at it. Is there is there any support for like? This has just occurred to me now, but is there any support for like young lads that are you know pursuing a career in football, uh, which has got so much money in it, and then they get to a point at you know quite a an important age in your life and it's still it's still a vulnerable age in your life that kind of 16 and then you know you get injured you can't do that anymore is there any support for you leaving that or is it simply just you, you you're injured there's nothing we do see you later that's it it's just it's business at the end of the day um this 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 thousands and thousands of people that is, i know people that have played at a high higher level way higher level and like they're just doing nothing now because of injury like literally just just and then retail job or something like that, and it's just businesses. It just drop people. People just get dropped. It's just like MMA. It's just like if, there's so many people that want to do it and that they can draft in. That it, you don't really matter, do you? It's as simple as that. And then moving on. Uh, did you want to say something, Stu? No, no. Go on. I heard an intake of breath. I was like, here comes a big question from Stu. There's an intake of breath. No, you're Morris good, mate. Is, you're good. But no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, the um, later on from that, we're getting to a bit that, and I'm sorry to bring this up, so you probably talk about this all the time because it is a yeah. fascinating part of your yeah, story. Yeah. But uh, a few years later, I don't, were you 21 or 23 when you walked out of that barbershop in 21, Manchester? 21. You were 21 years mm-hmm. old. And for, for people that don't know, you were shot three yeah. times. Was it twice in the face? <laughs> Two times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were shot twice. Yeah. And you actually had the bullets in your mouth and, and spat them out yeah. when you kind of woke, woke I mean, up, was it yeah. like, so were you out for a little while or was it kind of like a flash thing? And then you thought, like, how did that? I think it was just like, I think it was just like a flash thing. I think I was just out for like maybe a few seconds or something. Just felt like a knockdown or something. Do you know what I mean? And then like, when I've like come back round and heard like the beeping noise and, um, just started to come back around. It was just like shit. I'm still, still here. Wow. Do, do you know? Do you know why? Why that happened? Was it just a random thing? Was it? Was it someone that that you knew or knew of you or anything like? That? Or was it just completely at random? Just I don't know. It could have been anything. Like could have been a number of things. And I don't know. Not sure. I mean. I, <laughs> Uh, to, to, I mean, I, I don't really know how to sort of follow hearing, you know, somebody that describes being shot in the head twice as, as, as a flash knockdown. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> um, but um, I mean, from that, obviously, that's something that so many people, you know, millions of us, are never going to have any kind of way of to sort of comprehending what what you've been through there. How did you sort of go from? having something so life-changing and a, a mind-altering to, to then going, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to find myself in a, you know, an MMA gym and start to look at where I can kind of, you know, was it a moment where you felt, okay, I need to sort of change the path of my life here or, or. Not even, you know, not, not at all. I feel like it just, it kind of not happened by chance. Obviously it was all meant to happen that way, but it was just more like I ended up, training a bit here and there just in and out in and out the gym on and off and then I just started loving it and then I found myself being in the gym more and more where I got to the point where I was in the gym literally all day every day and that just took my mind off all things and I started to put my energy towards that and then before you knew it I had an amateur fight and it's just like 
I've got no energy to think about these things because, like, do you know what I'm saying? My focus is all there, and then it just it just draw me in. It just draw me in, and then especially when I went to America in 2015, that was that was a real turning point for me, and that was just like this is what I want to do for for the. Um, this is what I want to do as as like my main thing, and I want to get to the top of this sport. With, with the, the, the having a background in playing like high level sports and that, did did you take to it quite quickly? I'm not saying did it come easily, but did did you feel mm. comfortable in the gym, like with, with what you've been shown and learning? Yeah, yeah, because I've got, I've got, I come from like a sport. Like, well, I say a combat like family. Like my uncles have done. My uncles Oliver Harrison, who's, who's like a big um, legend. Yeah, legend in boxing culture, and he's he's done Muay Thai and stuff like that. So I've always been in and around it, but I've never actually been coached. Do you know what I mean? So, like even as a kid, we used to put the gloves on in the garden and just fight. Do you get what I'm saying? So I've always I've always had that in me. I've not I've not just been like a random one that's just jumped into MMA. I've always been able to fight. Do you know what I mean? But um, to get coached is like a different thing. But yeah, I did pick I did pick up the skills and stuff very quickly actually. So was you comfortable with confrontation then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally couldn't be any more different from me. It couldn't be any more different. Does, does your does your uncle ever say to you, well, why, why why didn't you pick boxing? I, I do boxing. Like, what are you doing this MMA stuff for? Yeah, it, do you know what? I remember, I still remember to this day, I, ca- I called him when I, was, when I was about, it must have been about 10, I was saying, I want to come do uh, Muay Thai or gym. I want to come train. Maybe, but it's just one of them things I lived in Lemon Zoom at the time and he lived in Salford so and my mum didn't drive so it's just one of them things is, he's got professional boxers in his gym he's not going to come all the way down there to pick me up he's busy do you know what I mean imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So it's just, it just one of the things that just meant to happen later on in life. And you, you mentioned going over to America. Am I right in thinking you spent quite a bit of time uh, at some point over at uh, Alliance MMA? Yeah. They have, you know, like... <laughs> Dominic Cruz, Michael Chandler, Alexander Gustafsson, uh, Angela Hill, who's the mm. former guest of our show as well. Mm. Um, when you go over there and you're, you know, because you're, you're quite young in your MMA career. You're only now having had uh, 11 fights. So yeah. back when you went over there, you you really, really young into your MMA career. How was it seeing those guys in the gym and how much did you learn from that uh, little excursion over to America? It was actually mad because it's funny you say that, Angela Hill. When I first went, I think she was just, I think she could have just been starting as well. Literally, I think she was oh, like, really? she was yeah. very young in her career anyway. Because I remember, I remember her grappling um, in the cage, like getting extra, showing extra stuff and she couldn't grapple at all. So she must have been new to that um, MMA then. I think she just come over from Muay Thai then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, um, 
it was I think I was like I must have been about two and all amateur then three and all amateur when I went over there and it was just like spar- I sparred the first first week I got there I sparred with Ross Pearson um, in the cage and it was just like it was pretty surreal actually and it was just like from from then I just knew like I can do this I've not been training that long and I'm like obviously I, I wasn't beating the guys up I'm not saying I'm beating the guys up but I wasn't far off do you get what I'm saying yeah. and it's just like I just knew it was doable from then. Because I imagine back then, and, and no pun intended, like Ross was the real deal then, wasn't he? He was yeah, he was boy, a, a, one of the, the, yeah, the biggest yeah. fighters in UK MMA at the time, wasn't yeah. he? Like, yeah, it was good, man. It was good. It was like it was a tough, tough round. It was just like high level, but I just knew, I knew I wasn't far off. I knew I could, I knew I could get there. And Ross did congratulate me after the round. He couldn't believe that I was still amateur yeah. um, at the time, and he was just like, he was just like, give me some good words of advice and stuff. Amazing, amazing. And am I, have I heard right that you were staying at Dominic Cruz's house for a little bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, go on, no, sorry, you go. I'll tell you now how that come about. A lot of people ask me. So I went over, I used to train with Brendan and he 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 was friends with Dominic. So when I went over, I went over with Brendan and we've ended up staying at Dom's for like six weeks or something like that. And he was getting ready for the fight with Dillashaw. He was in camp with Dillashaw at that time. So I've literally seen it firsthand of, of like how he went through the camp and stuff like that and then coming out victorious at the end of it and that just spurred me on, man. So you're you're living with and training with a guy that... Was he champion at the time defending the belt or was he no, reclaiming no. the belt off of TJ? Yeah, he reclaimed it, come back, he's yeah. coming back. He's come coming back. back I mean... That so at that early stage you're living with a guy that's just about to be and obviously was a champion previously. Mm-hmm. That must have been incredible. That's crazy, man. Big crazy experience and just seeing him like just seeing how tired he was after training and stuff and still going and then and then going in because to be honest, like I didn't know him before before that and then I was I was a TJ fan before I went there. I was thinking TJ's TJ's gonna beat him. I was mm. thinking and just even seeing him training, seeing him tired and stuff, and I was thinking it's gonna be a hard fight for him this. But and when, when he done it, I thought, wow, he these levels. I bet I bet that didn't come up in conversation much. I did no. not. Oh, no, I don't. Thanks, thanks for letting me stay. I do reckon TJ's gonna beat you. <laughs> I mean, what's that like being in the gym and like um, and literally having hours and hours and hours to watch? Dominic Cruz's feet. Yeah, it's sick. Do you know what? He showed he show, he show me. I went back the second time. So the second time I went back, I went back on my own. And it was just it was just me and Dom. And we went to LA. Um, and we he was literally drilling the footwork for about for a few hours in, in the hotel. In the, I got a picture on my Instagram of it, actually. And he's just showing me like the, the, the technical bits to his footwork, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Unbelievable. So... By the time you, when you get to the UFC, your first fight is an incredibly tough fight against Zubaira, and that is that ends in a draw. Mm. Were there any moments after that draw where you had either? um, I've just noticed my wife's name is at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen when I uh, come up. (laughs) Kerry comes up on this Zoom. (laughs) I'll be changing that in a minute. But um, the uh, was there any moments where? you felt like there was a little bit of self-doubt or anything like that because you've gone your first fight in the UFC, it was a draw. And then obviously your second fight was a first round uh, uh, TKO. And then uh, you get a performance uh, bonus as well that night. Mm. How much of that was kind of like a vindication or or put any doubts to rest? So was there any after your first and Uh, how much did the second fight put those doubts to rest if there were any? Not even, you know, because I, I took that fight in three weeks' notice for one. Um, I was in I was in Jamaica with a family, all in peace and stuff. So I come back heavy. It was a hard camp. I got injured, and so I, I literally went in that into that fight probably less than fifty percent. And it, so it's really? just like, yeah. And I had a I, had a, I dropped that first round pretty pretty badly, and and that's what cost me the cost me the fight. Really, I got the draw in the end, but. After that, when I felt the level, I knew I knew I had to step my game up, but I didn't I didn't feel mismatched. I just knew I had to work on my wrestling, and I feel like I feel like we've we've worked on that a lot. Um, but to get the get the win in the second fight, I was just like a massive weight off my shoulder because it was just like if I lost that fight, it would have been a one draw, one loss in the UFC. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it would that would have been would have been good going into the third fight. So. 
that fight was that fight. I had a lot of pressure on my back going into that fight. I think before that fight, I think that was the most nervous I've ever been for any fight. Oh, really? Like what? Yeah, just just because I built it up and it built it up. I was thinking of these things and like I didn't want to be like some guy that just come in and out of the UFC. Do you know what I mean? I want like that's pretty. It happens in it. So and it, and it, and it's always on on people's minds. So that's what I feel like I built that up in my head. A bit. You say you took that first fight on three weeks' notice. Was that yeah. the phone went and it's the UFC? And is it just a case of like, right, it's the fucking hell, it's the UFC, I'm taking this fight? Yeah, my coach messaged me. I was driving to training. Um, my coach messaged me saying, oh, um, we've had a message off the UFC. They want you to fight in three weeks. I just said, yeah, I didn't even know who it was against. I didn't even know. I just said, yeah, like, them opportunities don't come around twice. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I could I could say, no, I'm not ready, and then lose against somebody outside the UFC and then be put back two, three years, get injured. Like, you know you know, you know, know how it goes. You just got to take them opportunities with both hands. Given, um, you seem to be talking about a lot of, like, things happen for a reason and you believe mm. that, that, that things are kind of, uh, maybe mapped out if I'm not speaking for you too much. But like, with that said, do you do you make a lot of decisions or go with your kind of like gut instincts <clears throat> a lot of the time, or do you sit back and evaluate options in in life, or or is it do you do you kind of just listen to what feels right to you? If that makes sense, I I evaluate everything like um, I evaluate everything like big risk, like risk and reward. Like I, I always I always evaluate everything, but. I also just go with a gut feeling as well, like with, with some decisions. Obviously, it depends what it is. If you're talking about fights and stuff like that, it's got to be, it's got to make sense. Do you know what I'm saying? It's got to make sense career-wise and stuff like that. But with other things, I just go with the flow. Also, I just want to talk about sort of the, the, the fact that you're now still unbeaten um, yeah. a, a, as a fighter. Does that carry a certain weight about it? You know, a weight of expectation, maybe from from people looking in, and also you looking at yourself. Not really, you know. I don't. I don't really see it like that. I just know. I know if it was if it was in boxing, then yeah. But in MMA, I know. I know how this game goes. And if you fight long enough, it's not going to stay that way. If you're fighting at the top level long enough, um, obviously only Habib's done it. And he's a different type of fighter. Mm. The way I fight. I, it's it's one of them things, and it? it's gonna it'll happen one day. To, but it doesn't, but it's one of them things. But now nah, I'm not I'm not really I'm not too bothered about that to be honest. Um, I just want to go in there, want to grow, and I'm just all about the end goal, getting to the end goal, getting to that title. And if we have to take a step um, and not back before that, then so be it. But as long as I get to my goal, you mentioned nerves a little bit earlier before that that second fight in the UFC. Yeah. Is there a routine that you have, bef- like in the hours leading up to the fight, to help you deal with nerves? Uh, not even. Um, I just felt like I feel I don't know. This time, I think I was in the hotel room on my own. My coaches is like just giving me space to just chill. But I felt like that was the wrong thing to do at that time because <laughs> when you're on your own, you're just in your own head. You're just thinking about the fight. You, I just rather just chill and just treat it like a normal day and not think about it and then when the time comes to warm up because once I warm up I'm alright I don't think about it I don't, yeah. I'm not really bothered like I don't care um, but it's just it's just that moment leading up but other than that like that's the only fight I've probably been obviously I'm always nervous but that's the only fight where I've been nervous like proper and we saw I think uh, Daniel Cormier say to Derek Lewis in like yeah. the embedded series leading up to the uh, the Houston uh, fight against Cyril Garn that it was like don't let your coaches leave you alone. Daniel yeah. Cormier gave him that advice. He said, make sure someone's around you, entertaining you, do something you the whole time because it's when you're alone that mm. you, the thoughts get in, the, in your brain, uh, possibly negative thoughts, anything like that. So yeah. do you, are you, you're you saying you're someone as well, like have people around you, just distract you until the moment comes that you need to get your game face on. Just be 100%. distracted. 100%. I feel like that's a way forward, but obviously every fight is different as well. Though, but I feel like that's that's the way forward. Like, because you can self doubt, your brain just plays tricks tricks on you. So it, it, it don't want you to go into a fight naturally because it's dangerous. It's gonna it's gonna tell you so many things not to go into a fight. But uh, it's just one of the things. I feel like sometimes it's good to have a bit of, a bit of nerves. Though um, it, it gets you ready, makes you ready. 
You mentioned, obviously, um, sparring Ross Pearson uh, many years ago. And um, probably since then, we've seen the, the UK MMA scene really grow significantly. And I just wonder what your thoughts are, really, on the last sort of six, seven, eight years of, 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 of UK MMA and what changes you've seen and where you see it going. It's growing, growing massively, massively. I feel like I feel like we're caught up a bit on the wrestling, grappling side of things, and I feel like that was the big thing. Everyone's saying, "Oh, UK guys can't wrestle." UK, what the UK? We've we've got a lot of people over here now that's teaching wrestling from a younger age and stuff now. So I feel like we're catching up on that side of things, and I feel like we're 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 gonna have a lot of champions in the future. We've got even in our gym now, we've got 16, 17 year olds that are just killers, man. Just like well rounded as well. So I feel like I feel like the UK MMA scene is going in the, in the right direction. Yeah, it's a very exciting uh, time to be a, a UK MMA fan, and uh, it must be very exciting to be uh, a fighter in, in that mix. I mean, you talk about like people like Arnold Allen, Paddy Pimblett now coming over. Uh, I mean, Paul Craig's doing incredibly well up at light mm. heavyweight as well. We've got Darren Till against Derek Brunson coming up on the headline in the uh, September 4th card. And, and Jack Darren's Shaw. never far away. And Jack Shaw, you mentioned the wrestling as well. Like Jack Shaw is, is, is coming on leaps and bounds. Is there, is there, because uh, I, I feel like a little bit like this, the, that London card, because it was supposed to be London, then got moved to Vegas and now... Obviously, you've had the visa issues. Mm. Uh, Nathaniel broke Nathaniel his hand. Nathaniel Woods, he's broke his hand. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if there was another. Oh, uh, Gustafson, I think, might be injured or something. So, the yeah. more great Gustafson. Dear Casey's fight as well. Dear Casey's opponent pulled out or something as well. Is it cursed? Is, is yeah. Because, again, the last time they tried to come to London was the Woodley Edwards fight. That's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, so, yeah. what's going on with UFC in London? It's never going to happen, you know. There, there, there's there's, a, there's a theme, mate. It looks like you're the one to blame, Lerone. <laughs> Two cards now, man. I'm the curse. I'm the curse, man. Oh, it's stress. It's stress. I, I, I want to fight at home, like, badly, man. Like, I just want to feel that energy, home crowd. Yeah. I've not felt it before. My free fight's been in Abu Dhabi, so been a bit different. Well, they've got an Abu Dhabi card coming up there or a series maybe of Abu Dhabi cards coming up. Do you think you're going to try and maybe get on those cards? Yeah, we're doing our, everything we can. Obviously, we'd, the first the first plan of action is to try and get push this visa through because we're going to need that anyway to, so we right. can get on, we can fight more regularly because most of the cards are in, in the States at the minute. So mm. we're going we're gonna to need that anyway. But in the background of things, we're going to try and get on one of these Abu Dhabi cards, hopefully. I know that the, the card on the 30th is... is Full at the minute, but if any dropouts, I'll be ready to go. You don't mind a late notice replacement fight? You just want to get in there and do your thing. Yeah, I'll be training anyway, so I, I'll only be t- one or two weeks away from fighting anyway at all times. One of the things, uh, uh, you know, outside of um, MMA, obviously, if you if you look at uh, your life and and how you've gone from from where you was to where you are now it's remarkable and it's inspiring um do you ever you know do you ever feel like again like a weight of expectation as a, as, as a role model to young people yeah but yeah mm, yeah when you say that yeah but i don't i don't really think about them things you know to be to be brutally honest i don't i don't really think about them things i'm just trying to do good and trying to do better um Whatever comes with that, I know that people obviously kids are watching and stuff, um, and obviously I want to inspire them. But yeah, that's the plan, though. But because I've been working with a woman called Diana Modell, and she's do she does the sports foundation for like kids and stuff, and like kids that have dropped out of school and stuff like that. So we're going to be working with them as well. It's just that I've had a fight um, booked in, so I've not really been focused on that. Sure. But that's that's something I'm going to be going into for certain. Do you think that the government does enough for? Um, sort of, you know, boxing gyms, you know, any kind of combat sport gym, because they're, they're, they're lifelines for the community, and 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 there's a there's a lot of you know not just troubled kids. There's there's a lot of kids yeah. in general that go to these places and find friends for life. You know, mm. find discipline. You know, find mm. find you know camaraderie and all sorts of positive stuff. And mm. and I don't know, but the, the the ones where where I live, they're all quite tired and they're all quiet yeah. you know sort of a bit rough around the edges and it's like I, I, I feel that I think the government could 
especially in you know we've just spoken about the rise in in interest in MMA and combat yeah. sports in general. Like I, I feel that the government should be definitely reinvesting in that and 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 using these as really positive spaces to to you know fire up and, and and encourage kids to do better. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. One hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head. I feel like that's that should be the really the point of um, focus. I feel like they're probably putting, they're trying to stop like obviously knife crime and just just think of um, crime in total. But I feel like putting money into gyms is probably the best thing you can do yeah. for, for for people. Like it's the best thing. Like it's, it's the best thing for me, and it's the best thing for a lot of kids that I know that I've um, spoke to in the gym and stuff like that. And just give somebody people like focus and somewhere to to burn the energy off and stuff like that and just socialising it's, it's also like a family as well in the gym yeah you know what I'm saying yeah sick and when it comes to like uh, social media we like to talk about that a little bit on this show because I, I, I have a real love-hate relationship with it if it wasn't for social media I wouldn't be able to get in touch with people like yourself and say come on and talk to us be part of this show and make contacts with people like that but also I've seen the negative side of social media and the, the the trolling and all of that. And I've got two young kids and you're always worried about the world that they're going to grow up into and the, the kind of bullying you hear about on social media and the exposure to things that, that young kids shouldn't be exposed to. How do you feel as a fighter about social media? Because it seems from the outside looking in that fighters kind of do need social media to grow their brands, get interest in their fights and make mm. more money. but also it seems like in doing that, you really open yourself up to that, that trolling I spoke about yeah. beforehand. And, you know, whether it's um, something like uh, people just saying, oh, so-and-so is about to knock you out. But sometimes it gets a lot darker than that as well. Have you had negative experiences on social media? And if you have, how have you got past that and and uh and yeah been able to kind of push through those kind of negative moments without it affecting you too much mentally yeah it's just part and parcel of the game and it? it's just it's just obviously it's not it's, it shouldn't be like that but even with my first fight um when i got scheduled to fight to Zibera on the debut i was getting like racist racist messages and stuff like that it's just like obviously i'm i'm bit thick skinned anyway I'm not really bothered but I, I could like it's not good is it it's not on and I feel like some some people take it a lot differently than I would um you see yeah man, it's a scary world that social media if, if, if I didn't need it for sports I probably wouldn't even be on social media but it's just something we need for the exposure to build your brand and it's just like nowadays in fighting as well if you've not if you've not got a following like nobody's interested in you you get what I'm saying like your following nowadays is you pay is your person if you see it it's so weird you, you say that yeah you see, that's, a, that's that's just how it is you see like people like Sean O'Malley he's not he's no better than Nathaniel Wood but he's on probably double double the amount of money because he's he's, he's got a big following yeah you know what I'm saying so absolutely it's so weird as you saying that over your shoulder I can see Conor McGregor addressing thousands and thousands of people with a microphone in his hand. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, we, we, we've seen that happen. And you've just mentioned O'Malley, which is such a, a great example of the fact that, mm. you know, if, if you talk it now, you know, you seem to, if you talk it well and, you know, you've got a, a, a you know, an interesting look even, uh, yeah. you know, you, you're seeing that the media seem to be, you know, clambering at, 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 at what O'Malley's saying, and obviously we, you know, yeah. Connor wrote the, you know, and Chow wrote the blueprint for that, and and mm. is that something, you know, we've asked other fighters this, and sometimes they kind of reply with, well, if I was to do it, it'd feel a bit forced, and therefore we mm. think people can see through it, and I just wondered what your sort of stance is on like calling out fighters and and kind of, you know, co- you know, causing a little bit of uh, a little bit of mayhem online, and and you know, and and just kind of. You know, trying to fight, you know, fan the flames of 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 your profile. Yeah, it's showbiz at the end of the day as well. So it's like even me, if I'm if I'm watching a fight and it's kicking off in the weigh-ins, or people have been talking st- shit to each other on, online and stuff like, it's more interesting and and you, you invest into it more. But but I feel like the Colby Colbington aura that he's giving up and all oh, that fake stuff I could, like I couldn't never do that but I would call out fighters and maybe have a little little chat on the internet or something with them but 
other than that, I couldn't be like fake and do you know what I'm saying? But I feel I see I see why people do it all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Showbiz, showbiz. It is it is showbiz, and it's 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 in some ways we're all here for a bit of the drama. We all love, mm. you know, we get our popcorn out when the Twitter beef kicks off and yeah, it makes the yeah. fight that little bit more exciting. But then the flip side to it is is that there's a lot of incredibly talented fighters out there. I, I reference Arnold exactly. Allen all the time with this. Mm. With this like, one of those guys that's just, I mean, really funny bloke just doing yeah. real deal jokes all over Twitter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I really love it. But uh, but he doesn't always get the kind of the notoriety uh, that, that he deserves as a, as a fighter and all that. And stuff Leon because, Edwards, same. Yeah. Leon and, Edwards, massively yeah. Leon. I mean, I mean, but Leon Edwards is just a whole nother kettle of fish. I mean, that guy's on like a, I know there was the Bilal Mohammed thing, yeah. but he's on like a 10 fight win streak. That's what I'm and saying. the guy cannot catch up. Like I hate the whole giving the rematch to Colby. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Is Colby a good fighter? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't want to speak too much on his personality. I'm not a huge fan of that, but as a fighter, he's very, very good. Mm. But Usman beat him. His next win was against Tyron Woodley, who, let's be honest, has not been the same since the Usman yep. fight. Exactly. And then he goes straight back into a title shot. It's not right. Edwards is on like, uh, again, aside the Bilal Mohammed thing, which he looked great in that first round anyway, um, he's on like a nine or 10 fight win streak. And all anyone wants to talk about is, yeah, but in that last 60 seconds, Diaz nearly had him. It's like, but he's won the first 24 exactly. minutes. Exactly. Schooled him. Exactly. Schooled him for four exactly. and a half rounds. Exactly. It's, it's, mate, I, feel, I actually feel sorry for him, you know. I feel sorry for him. It, it, it must be hard, but it's just like, it's, I feel like he should he should go and fight Masvidal next. I feel like that's the fight for him. Um, Gilbert Burns is, I feel like he built, beats them both, but Gilbert Burns is a bit more da- more of a dangerous fight for him at this point. He should really be going into a title shot. So I'd say, mm-hmm. I feel like Masvidal's a big, he'll get paid and I feel like yeah. he'll get the win. And then they can't deny him. So uh, if Masvidal, t- I don't think Masvidal will take that fight, but I feel like that's a fight. It's got, it's got, it's got history as well. Yeah, so, of course. I, I think from Leon's point of view and even from the fans' point of view, you're absolutely right I think from mm. Masvidal's point of view though as you say I don't think Masvidal takes up I think Masvidal no. probably go I wonder if Nick Diaz is yeah, going to beat exactly. Robbie Lawler yeah. and then I'll yeah. go and probably get relatively easy and bigger mm. money and pay-per-view fighting Nick mm. Diaz that BMF belt thing and all of that stuff um, and yeah Leon's left with either hopefully getting a title shot but if they mm. make life difficult for him has he got to beat Vincente Luque again or something? And that is a tough, tough, tough exactly, fight. I mean, exactly. I favour Leon in that fight, but it's that's no easy fight. And yeah. it just see, I mean, uh, it, it, he's going almost on a Tony Ferguson esque mm. like twelve fight. I mean, at least Tony got like his interim yeah. title belt and all that stuff. I, f- I feel really sorry for Leon, but um, but back to the featherweight division. There's a really brilliant fight coming up between Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega. That's your division. Do you have any thoughts on how that goes? Yeah, I think I think Volkanovsky is very underrated as well. Um, mm. It's just it just looks awkward and strong and just one of them horrible. <laughs> you know, it's just just it just it yeah. just looks like one of them horrible guys that just got weird timing and everything. And I feel like that. I feel like he beats Ortega, but I feel like. Holloway beats him if they fight again. I feel like he, Holloway won the first, second fight anyway. So, but if they fight again, I think Holloway's the best in the division at the minute. Yeah. That Calvin Cater oh performance my was out of this world, wasn't it? Crazy, crazy, crazy. That's literally one of the best performances I've ever seen. Me too. The fact that he was talking to him as well, like, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, whilst he's just jabbing. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. He made him look amateur, though. That's what it's, it's, yeah. it's mad mad levels yeah just i mean i'm aware that we've you know we've taken up a lot of your time today uh Lerone, but just um we, we, we spoke about things like um you know nick you know nick diaz nate diaz and not necessarily the, the highest ranked fighters but the money's there and so just yeah. looking at sort of the financial side of of, of, of fighting you've had a, a performance of the night bonus when you are going into the the octagon is that ever i mean you're going in there to fight your fight and fight at the best of your ability i'm sure unquestionable yeah. but is that ever in the back of your 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 mind you know that that chance to earn 
X amount more if you get that? Before the fight, obviously, probably the days and weeks leading up to the fight, you're thinking financial, I need to win this fight, I need to pay for this, I need to pay for that. Oh, it'd be nice if we get the bonus. But on fight day, all you're thinking about is we're getting a win yeah. and getting out getting out of there safely, like yeah. going to yeah. fights, you get what I'm saying? I'm not really, I'm not never thinking about money when I'm when I'm fighting or even on the day of the fight. Um, but on the week of the fight, sometimes I'm doing calculations like if I win this, I can get this and can get that. But that's just that's just that's just look, having something to look forward to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but when we get in there, we're just thinking about thinking about getting the win, um, glory first. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you? Um... Do you have ideas? Because, I mean, you're still young in fight years. You know, you've mm. not had many fights. There's a lot of tread left on the tyres type thing. Mm. But um, do you do you ever think further ahead and go, well, the reality is I probably won't be doing this when I turn 38, 39, 40 mm. or whatever it is. Mm. Do you ever think about what you would do after fighting? Yeah, of course, that's on my mind every day. I'm, I'm, I'm already like trying to put things in place from now. Um, I know it's a short career and it can end any time, any day. Um, so I'm always trying to save and put my money into in the right things and build build things away from fighting. Um, that's always always the goal, always the goal. I'm not one of them people that just spend, 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 uh, thinking that it's going to come in forever because I know it's I know it's not. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, business, man. Business away from fighting. Um, I've been working with a lot of people that are into into stuff like that, and I'm going to be putting my money in the right places. Excellent, excellent. Well, it's good to hear that, mate. But thanks so much for coming on the show, man. It's been, been a pleasure, an man. Pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure. I, well, I wish it was under happier circumstances. <laughs> I wish we were about to say good luck on September fourth. I hope you're going to do really well. But fingers crossed, something happens with Abu Dhabi and you can get on yeah. that card, and we'll be rooting for you then, mate. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, Lerone, thanks loads, man. Thank you. Nah, much appreciated. Much appreciated. Thank you. Lerone Murphy, what an absolutely lovely... Do you know what? I'm about to say what a lovely guy, but I think I finished every episode by going, ah, what a lovely guy. How lovely was she? And it's... But it is the case, isn't it? It is the case. I mean, like, again, we probably are repeating ourselves. And also, because we don't always record these in, like, a specific order... Mm. We're, we probably haven't said this for a good four episodes so the person listening to it might listen to two back to back that uh, are saying this but it's absolutely true one of the reasons that I really wanted to do this podcast was dispelling that stupid myth that people involved in this sport are just brutes or idiots or thugs or anything like that and I think if you listen to any of our episodes you can absolutely tell that the majority of the people are really lovely very intelligent nice human beings and I think that is something that I really want to push and, and put out into the world a little bit more um, but back to Laron what are, why are you laughing at me why are you just giggling away why are you laughing at me am I being too earnest word. I've just not heard the word no it's lovely I've just not heard the word brute brute <laughs> <laughs> that's what my nan would say or something you boy, you're brute oh such a oh he's such a brute oh dear lord what a brute um Anyway, uh, yeah, back to Laurent. I mean, lovely bloke, obviously been through a lot in his young life. I mean, you know, to be an aspiring footballer, you know, I mean, he's only having trials at Liverpool, but I think his training with Stockport, he could easily, maybe not necessarily Premier League, but he could have had a career of like, he's a full-time footballer earning a good wage. He said it's what he wanted to do, wasn't it? That was his dream. And he had that dream taken away from him at 16 because of an injury. Uh, And then a few years later, he finds himself in a situation that vast majority of people that have ever been in a situation like that would be dead. He he was shot in the face. And uh, it was just a flash knockdown, though. I mean, that's some chin on him he's got. I mean, Jesus. I mean, that is a chin, isn't it? I mean, that, but I mean, that, that must have been. So, I mean, I, I think it's okay to say, I, I didn't want to dwell on it too much. I'm, I'm obviously incredibly sure. interested in that story. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I want our listeners to hear about someone that's been in a horrible, horrible situation and has then found their way to achieve another dream of theirs, to be a professional sportsman. I think that's part of the journey and I think that's what I want people to get on board with. Very inspirational, yeah. 
but I didn't want to, you don't want to dwell on these things too much because as someone that's never been involved in a situation like that, I I don't know how difficult and traumatic that is for people. So, But I've heard Laurent speak about it in other interviews as well. So I knew that he was okay speaking about it because sure. he has done previously. But I didn't want to dwell on it too much. But I mean, Jesus, I mean, to, to, to wake up and spit the bullets out. I, I, I can't, I, I, I've got no words for I, I, it. I think, you know, we, we, it is just remarkable that from such a situation to then find yourself unbeaten in the UFC is just that that's the stuff that you know when you see the you know that the Francis Ngannou kind of uh, story oh, and it's yeah. you know and it's inspirational you know when you know a few years down the line when we're watching their own fight for a belt you know it's it's a stu- it's a fairy tale story you know it's, it's yeah. going to be the sort of thing that you know he's going to find himself you know doing all sorts of talks at schools and at, you know I, I guess maybe sort of young people that are in sort of different sorts of correctional facilities like I, I think that that's where you know he's he's going to have a, a really important place because it's absolutely remarkable uh, that you can not just turn your life around but turn your life around and you know find such success in such a competitive you know place as well like remarkable absolutely and i think the mainstream media should really be jumping on mma and particularly the ufc fighters because they have got the bigger uh, profiles and stuff as sure. people to turn to as sports people that are inspirational i mean look at what molly mccann's doing for like the lgbtq community i mean uh, and then you've got people like larone as well i mean i definitely think that these people should be used as a resource more as inspiration for young kids and and it should be something that mainstream media is is thinking more about and putting these people on pedestals because we definitely need to shift ourselves as i said at the beginning of this little outro uh away from the idea that you know it's a sport for thugs or it's not a real sport or it's you know it's illegitimate any of those things and and start treating it the way that we do with with football, cricket, rugby, and all the other sports. Can, can you imagine, like, somebody that didn't really watch combat sports, and, and if they Google it, and all they're going to get on, on their news feed is the kind of sort of uh, vitriol that, that Conor McGregor's been spouting uh, about all manner of fighters. I think it's Daniel Cormier this week. Uh, and, and, Bisping and as well. Uh, oh, right, Bisping as well. Oh, yeah, okay. he's had one Bisping as well. Like, um, and if, if all you're seeing is somebody who is... Arguably the most famous, definitely the most famous. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's no argument. He in is the world, the most famous. Yeah, um, just behaving like that. Whereas maybe if those reporters just decided to maybe just swerve one little Conor McGregor story and just go check out this guy and what he's mm. done and how he's transformed his life and you know how that paints a mixed martial artist you know to, to to people that don't follow the sport you know that's what we need more positivity more inspirational stories not cheap shot media just you know finding them little clickbaity things that that is basically just you know connor's twitter and yep. you know i think there's, there's far more to be gained from like you say you know look at amanda nunez like what an inspiring character you know and what she's doing you know is, is absolutely remarkable the same as she said for molly and I, I think that you know hopefully the fact that we talk about it at length you know all, all sort of goes in the pot that hopefully a few people that maybe casual fans that that might might listen to this because they recognize you off the telly and you know might might find themselves listening to Larone's episode and just go, that's remarkable. Well, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, and if you are listening to this, then please check out other episodes as well. This is part of our special, what would have been the London Card episode leading up to September 4th. We've got interviews with Jack Shaw and Paddy Pimblett as well, uh, and our own little breakdown of what uh, we're looking forward to and expecting to happen on the September 4th card. And then outside of that, we have uh, interviews much like what you just heard, interviews about fighters and their their journeys through MMA and the ups and downs that they've been through. And there's uh, one with 
Paddy Pimblett, that's a, a separate one, and Jack Shaw as well, separate to their uh, their London card specials, uh, as well as people like Arnold Allen, Molly McCann, Paul Craig. The aforementioned Alexander Volkanovsky. Alexander Volkanovsky, champion and of the world. Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley, who soon will be fighting Jake Paul. Please knock him out, Tyron. Oh, please, <laughs> do us a favour and shut him up. <laughs> um, I mean, f- w- w- we don't um, we don't call out Michael Bispin and Daniel Cormier on our Twitter. So give us a follow on there, and what we will uh, be sharing on there is is some some fight news. You know, when fights get announced, we like to uh, you know shout about that on on all three platforms that we that we're active on, which is obviously Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, give us a follow, like, love, share, a retweet, and obviously. You know, we share all the episodes on there. And just in case you think you might miss one, the best thing to do is subscribe and uh, and leave us a little comment, a little review. What do you reckon? Yeah, a little five stars. Be kind. It's good to be kind. And we'll leave you with that. It is good to be kind. See you later, guys. <laughs>